Murder is defined as the unlawful, premeditated killing of one human being by another. However, being charged and convicted of murder isn't always as simple as a definition. With that said, let's talk murder. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Murder with Diamond Kisan, and I'm your host, Diamond Kisan. Let's Talk Murder is a crime-based podcast that focuses on murder from a different perspective. We have the opportunity to talk the crime, talk the charges, and just talk in general with the convicted and get the situation from their angle. With that said, this week I had the opportunity to speak with Garrison Karika. Garrison Karika is currently incarcerated and convicted of murder. Um, There's still some questions that go along with this case, so this was going to be very interesting to hear what Mr. Karika has to say. So without further ado, let's talk murder. I have an article here from CBS 46, and this article was posted July 7th, 2017. The headlines read, 18-year-old charged with murder after fatal shooting in Atlanta. It reads as follows. Police say an 18-year-old has been charged with murder after the fatal shooting of another 18-year-old in Atlanta Friday. Markeith Oliver was found shot to death in the 2000 block of Martin Luther King Jr. Drive, northwest, around 3 p.m according to a spokesperson with Atlanta Police. Witnesses say Oliver was shot multiple times by at least one person who was accompanied by another person, according to authorities. The police spokesperson told CBS 46 that both suspects fled the scene but were later found and taken into custody. Police say the twin brothers were both questioned by authorities in connection to the incident. The spokesperson later said that one of the brothers was released, while the other brother, Garrison Carica was identified as the shooter. Carica was arrested and charged with murder. We're talking 18 years old. 18 years old and two individuals no longer have a life. One from being murdered and one by the alleged commitment of the murder. Let's talk about it. Um, Garrison Carica and Marquise Oliver were the the water boys on the west side of Atlanta. Now, for those who may not know, the water boys are the young men who usually are at the very busy intersections and they sell waters and sodas and Gatorades and Powerades and things of that nature. These are the guys who, I will honestly say, in my opinion, are trying to make a living, trying to earn some money and providing a service that many of us, including myself, um, enjoy. So sometimes I don't want to pull over to the gas station or to the store and get out the car just to buy something to drink. So the accessibility of being able to pull up to the light, buy a water, buy a soda, buy a juice, and um, quench my thirst, as well as help aid in the employment, so to speak, of another youth is something I I take part in. Now, with that said, there's, um, you know, there's some talk online. You'll definitely, if you Google this crime, you'll see um, some conversations that possibly this was over um, a particular spot or a particular corner, something of that nature. But needless to say, it ended in murder. And now, like I said, two families have both lost their loved ones. Now, with that said, let's talk murder with Garrison Karika. I had the opportunity to speak with Mr. Karika in relation to the crime, and we talked back and forth for a while, and the answers he provided 
you know, you can definitely see that these answers are coming from an individual who was confused at the time of going through um, the trial or not trial, so to speak. I don't know how you want to put it, but let's get into it so you can see what he had to say. Question number one for Mr. Karika was, what do you recall most about the crime? Ms. Karika advised, what I remember the most is me being charged with murder at the age of 18. Next question, what did you have planned for the day in general? Ms. Karika advised, the day I planned was to go sell water on the side of the highway to make an honest, honest living. Next, the moments leading up to when the incident took place, what was going through your mind? Ms. Karika advised, the first thing that was going through my mind was I just shot and killed a man, which my intentions was to just go home. Question number four. The moments after the incident took place, what was going through your mind? Ms. Kirk advised, I just committed murder in self-defense. Question number five. What do you remember most about your trial and why does this memory stick out for you? Ms. Karika advised, to be honest, I did not go to trial. I was new to the system, so I took a 30-year plea deal because the first plea was life. I felt like I had no other option but to take it. Wow. Question number six. What was your take on the evidence that was presented? Mr. Karika advised, my take on the evidence was that the police has the murder weapon but will not show me the footage that took place at the gas station, which I thought useful, but at the same time unlawful that I never got a chance to see it. Question number seven. Do you feel your attorney had your best interest at heart? No, I did not, he advises. The only thing my attorney was trying to do was make me take a plea deal, and there's no defense in my case, which is another reason I feel like I had insufficient counsel. There was no attempt to even try to defend me. Of course, with that being said, I had to ask Mr. Karika, do you feel your attorney did all they could do to defend you? Ms. Karika advised, no, I do not feel like she did all she could because I wanted a trial, but she pushed subliminally to take a plea. Mm. Next question was, if you could say anything at all to the general public about this crime, what would you say? Mr. Karika advised, I would say in general, don't judge a book by its cover. Look deeper into my case and know that it was self-defense and that I'm innocent of murder. Lastly, I wanted to know from Mr. Kariker, what has life been like since incarceration? He advises, my life has been horrible. It's like my whole life has just been taken from me by a simple mistake that took place. Now let's go back and review this. So question five, as Mr. Kariker speaks of being new to the system and taking the 30-year plea deal. For me, this speaks volumes because I feel it's the job of the attorney to educate their client on, one, what's going on, two, what's being offered, three, what their options are with the offer, and four, how the options presented or the options that are available will affect their life going forward. Now, Mr. Kariker has expressed he doesn't feel his counsel had his best interest at heart, nor did they do all that they could have done to help to defend him. Now, this is a sticky one for me. So, as there was no trial, 
the question comes about of, you know, what is done to defend your client in the situation where there isn't a trial? Are there conversations with the state's attorney? Is it a, um, you know, exchange of some, like, you know, exactly how deep is it? Now, listen, I'm not an attorney, so I don't know. But, you know, you kind of just wonder how much went into defending a case that did not have a trial and then how much explanation took place. Again, we're talking an 18-year-old young man being accused of murder. Um, there was some footage regarding the incident and Mr. Kareka advises he was not able to see it. You know, then I guess the next question is, would seeing the footage have changed things? Um, are there some possible different angles or different perspectives that could have been explored from the defense side in relation to the footage? You know, I don't know. So we have this young man, again, this um, the article I read was from 2017, so we're now in 2020. So three years later, this young man has been incarcerated. I'm sure he's been educating himself. And, you know, now... He's looking to possibly take it a different way. And it's like, hey, like I say in the intro, being charged with crime is not always as black and white as it seems. And this is a perfect example of it. I thank Mr. Karika for his time and for his honesty because we, you know, we get a chance to see that two lives were lost here. The life of um, Mr. Oliver, as it was taken due to the murder, and now the life of Mr. Kariker as he sits behind bars for the murder of Mr. Oliver. And who knows? Who knows what the future may hold or how it may play out. But for now, Mr. Kariker has made it very clear that his counsel, in his opinion, didn't do all that they could have done for him. And the talk of being pushed subliminally into a plea deal, that speaks volumes. Because, you know, you see a lot, <laughs> if you all into crime and um, crime podcasts and crime series, how I am, you possibly have seen the confession tapes that are on Netflix. And when you view the confession tapes, you see a lot of times like, wow, is this coercion? Is this some, um, you know, like... Is this person being pushed to say this or words being put in their mouth? You know, there's so much that we now know because so many shows are allowing us inside the um, rooms and inside the interrogations. So with that said, I want to know, do you think you can push someone to subliminally take a plea deal? What's your take? Just based on, you know, possibly shows you've seen in podcasts, um, you've heard, things of that nature. Also, for my attorneys out there, you know, how do you defend a case that doesn't go to trial? Like, you know, you don't have to, it's not the normal prep for trial and present your defense to the jury kind of approach. So what is the approach? Listen, I want, I want to know. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Um, two, one. Now, as I wrap up, do me a favor. Like I said, talk to me. Let me know your thoughts and your take on things. Hit me on Twitter at Let's Talk Murder. Again, that's Let's Talk Murder. Or on Instagram and Facebook at LTM 
LTMWDK. Again, that's LTMWDK. I'm Diamond Kisan, and we've just talked murder. Until next time, stay safe and never be afraid to talk murder.